what I'm going to talk about. What does it all mean? We will discuss that. Does your trauma mean more than my trauma? Did I have the best childhood and the ins and outs of how it all plays out now? To reason with someone is to motivate them to do or accept topics, ideas, and issues through discussion and having conversations. This podcast is about the relationship with ourself and the relationship with others, finding our stability in our self-worth and how do we actually be in healthy relationships. We find this out through connection, compassion, and communication. Reach out, connect with me, like, subscribe, comment. I want to unpack whatever it is that we can to really get to the nitty and gritty of finding out how do we get better in ourselves and how do we get better in our relationship. Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't back. No, no, no. No, he needs to know. Remember me before you Reason With Me podcast, just a bit of me again today. I am ready, I'm keen, and I'm going to talk about trauma. Get a lot of questions and a lot of time confusions from people about what is what it actually is trauma and the specific type of trauma that I work with is um, childhood trauma and I'm going to just break break it all down and and tell you in this episode a whole bunch of different things so what I'm going to talk about what does it all mean we will discuss that does your trauma mean more than my trauma did I have the best childhood and the ins and outs of how it all plays out now? So enjoy and let's crack straight into it, eh? So, like I said, a lot of people come up to me and they're kind of just talking and I'll, I'll, I'll say, oh yeah, that's your childhood trauma. And they'll go, what are you talking about? Like I have no trauma. I've had a fine upbringing. There's nothing wrong with me. And uh, my parents were amazing. And look, I'm not saying that you have had some sort of terrible childhood. What I'm saying is that every experience that we have had over our lifetime shapes our experience, shapes the way we perceive the world. So what is trauma? What does it all actually mean? I'm going to use and call on my favorite trauma therapist in the world at the moment, uh, who I think define it incredibly well. So I think there's a few different meanings and definitions sort of around the place and that exist. And the one that sort of lands for me is Gabor Mate. So Gabor Mate is a trauma expert, focuses a lot of his work on addiction. And he says it's not what happened to you specifically. It's what happened and then 
what that left inside of you. Peter Levine builds on this by stating that it's not necessarily about the event. It's about our nervous system's response to that event. So those are probably the the two kings of, of trauma. And look, there's many, many more definitions and heaps of different ways to go about it, but I think they're the two two heroes in, in the realms of, of this work. If I'm going to throw in a queen of trauma, I would probably go to uh, Pat Odgen, and she expresses that language of the body communicates the meaning and reveals the legacy of trauma and the forgotten wounds. So this to me means that all of us in some way have had experiences that defined how we view the world today and there can be incredible triumph and success in those experiences just as much as there can be negative um, or positive experiences. So there's some few definitions. I think trauma is so fascinating and so interesting and so complex. So it's a big, big topic to kind of discuss and I get that. How would I put it all into words is... Is I guess a combination of all those things is and and the way it makes sense to me the most is is through relationships is that what we what we bring and we show up with in terms of how we see ourselves and then how we enter relationship whether that be with our family whether that be the relationship we have with our intimate partners uh, whether that be with the relationship we have with work or relationship we have with anything our hobbies our sporting um, anything really is that based off what we've learned in the past based off what we've experienced really has a role in in the way we we go about ourselves go about the world so the person that kind of doesn't have trauma you know that the ideal uh guy that says i know i haven't had any negative experiences um, everything I got everything when I was growing up. That's the narrative. It's like my mum and dad were, were perfect. Um, no one's perfect. So somewhere along the way, there might have been some sort of less than nurturing experience. Or in in in, in one way or another, a baby's going to be left crying, and and that attachment will be wounded. So the secure attachment that we have with our mum when they start to have things go on in their own world and they just forget us for like 30 seconds, you know, they sleep for an extra two minutes while we're crying or they go out with all their friends and we're, we're left sort of in our own devices with, with the care of our grandmas or our grandpas or something like that. Even something so small and slight like that doesn't necessarily need to be defined as like significant trauma that we know what, of trauma, you know, the sexual abuse or traumatic event like a car crash or a um, natural disaster or domestic violence when we were young or, you know, emotional abuse or physical abuse is that something so small can have such a big impact how we see going down the line. For example, that might be an abandonment wound is that mum left a few times because she had a really intense job and she was always out. Or dad spent a lot of time overseas um, for work and he was our provider and he came back not as regularly as 
as other fathers, but did his best when he did return. So whether we like it or not, this does shape the way that we go about the world. Another example, we have a really successful family. So our mom has a really good career and our dad has a really good career. And that's passed on in our values that you know, achieving is, is really important and we always got to um, try to succeed. That shapes the way that we, we grow up. We want to get good marks in school. We want to end up having a good job. That's not necessarily a bad thing, right? But it can become something that we turn to regularly and they're generally called core beliefs about ourselves. So that, that determination and drive to achieve might have a negative message in it at the back of it. So unless we get distinctions, then, then my image will be um, compromised. Or if I don't get promoted in the next six months when I'm working my ass off, then I must not be that good at my job. Now, where do we hear all that? Again, we come back to that experience where our dad was a super high achiever and he imprinted these values into us. And our blueprint carried on and said, I need to do well because that's what I know. Um, So achieving is really important. Or I'm trying to make my dad proud. So something as simple as that can make up, be our makeup, be be our essential way forward in how we achieve and how we succeed in life. That's how I kind of look at trauma is that when it can get into a negative headspace or our life and our messaging is determined by that old belief or that old passed down uh, concern that we need to do better or I'm not lovable unless or I don't belong until all these little things we can generally find a path back to. So in that sense, I think everyone's got some form of attachment concern where that was, it it was just really hard for it always to be secure. And then in another realm is that we will always have something that, that we remember is really important. And we've now defined that as part of our values. So when that, uh, the, the, the feathers get rustled, then we go, Ooh, ah, that's, uh, that's, that's right. I, I need to achieve. I need to do more. And the most common place that that shows itself is in our self-worth and in our relationships. So in our relationships, it's, it's we, we might be defined by that relationship or we, we want a certain type of relationship or we're not valuable until we're in relationship and all that sort of things. We, we meet in the middle. Um, sometimes that's kind of, we fall into this, this relationship when I'm a high achiever and I settle for someone that, or I, I gravitate towards someone that is also a high achiever. Or when we look at me, for example, is, um, how my trauma is shaped is that I, um, I guess I was, uh, needed to be needed. So I go to relationships where I feel like I'm needed and I, a lot of the time find myself in in ones where there's some distance emotionally and I and I go, oh I'll slot right in and try and help that. You know, and that's my that's my shit. That's my my qualities that I guess I need to constantly remind myself and work on. Alright. How do I get this not to be a little super ramble? Hopefully it's making sense so far. Does your trauma mean 
that it was more significant than my trauma. And I hear this all the time in in group, in in some of my trauma groups and relationship groups is, oh, no, um, I don't want to talk about my childhood because it wasn't as bad as Bob's because Bob had physical abuse when he was young and I didn't have physical abuse when he was young. But that then must mean that he's more traumatized than me. And I don't think it necessarily works like that. It, it more is, is if you had some sort of impact emotionally, physically, whether there was neglect, whether there was some sort of dysfunction in your household, is that that's just as important as the next person because unless we have the coping and the support systems and the strategies and the awareness behind ourselves, then we're going to fall into just as many problems as the next person. So I work a lot with addiction. Addiction doesn't discriminate. Just because someone has sexual abuse uh, and they move towards addiction because they can't, um, you know, their self-identity is so tarnished and they really want to escape. The next person that had, you know, quote unquote, everything and provided for them still might have this longing and, and negative feelings about themselves because they they had divorce when they were young and that that lack of connection that was needed from from that figure still left an empty space for someone and then they move towards addiction so it really doesn't i don't think it discriminates i don't think that it's one's worse than the other because without the foundational stuff we are going to move towards finding temporary relief or reward that uh, allows us to escape I'm going to give a really clear example. I hope it's going to be clear. Well, let's go a clear example is people go to war all the time and it's traumatic. If you have to see someone die, if you have to be in environments where there's explosions or, uh, you know, severe poverty or, or intense um wounds of of uh, societies and civilizations that are kind of getting disrupted with or even just having to hold a gun and shoot that gun whatever that's traumatic you know people that's why we kind of take our hats off to to our to our soldiers to our veterans that go out and, and do this because it's 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 hectic we essentially have to dehumanize in training to make sure that they can go out there and do the job and then, unfortunately, when we when these veterans come back, um, they've got to rehumanize, and that can be really tricky for some people. So my question is, why doesn't everyone come back with post-traumatic stress disorder? If it's all traumatic, why is it that some veterans don't come back with PTSD, with a diagnosable condition that has an incredible impact on their life, leading to a lot more suffering and wounds that, that go you know, untreated for a lot of people. Don't get me wrong, PTSD statistics are quite high, but why doesn't everybody? Why doesn't everybody have PTSD? And I think the reason for that is that PTSD happens for people that don't that it's really difficult for them to then manage and process and transform and integrate what's happened back into their their life and be able to repair what essentially has been damaged, what essentially has happened when they were overseas 
or even in our own countries when they're when they're having to to experience these traumatic um, events. So essentially, what's going on is that some people have the support, they have connection, they have immediate access to professional help. They have a really good solid community. They also might have a good family system where they can come back to and lean on, connect. All of that is healing. All of that is repairing. What they also might have on board internally is really good coping mechanisms. They already have an ability to sit with their emotions. They already have an ability to talk about their problems and they internally know what we need to do to look after ourselves and what's important in terms of recovery and that repair internally and from our community and and our connection with others. So why PTSD shows up for so many is that generally a lot of that's lacking. You can identify that those that come back as veterans, uh, what was their lifestyle like? What was their family system like? What was their community and their connections like? What kind of supports were in place? And a lot of the time, statistically, you'll see that one of them or many of them were compromised meaning that that stuff stays in the body and in the mind and becomes really difficult to navigate through until they get into recovery, until they get into some professional help. And sometimes, unfortunately, they don't get that and they end into addiction, um, significant mental health concerns, homelessness or suicide. So I really do think that's, that's the difference. That's the difference of why one person experienced this when they were growing up and the you know, brother experienced this. Why is it that one one went towards that trauma sort of playing out in a really negative way and one is quite successful in, in, in whatever the term success means, but they they they're all they're all good, you know, they've got what they needed um in order to repair from some of that and recover from some of those 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 pains is it comes down to well, what do we keep walking into? What kind of support and connection and skills and tools do we have that allows that space to be tended to nurtured to this is the difference so for me a lot of the time trauma is is really subtle and and we don't look at it we don't need to look at it as this significant thing that plays out so i guess this moves towards did i have the best childhood and I guess some of you will know because directly, based on your direct experiences, you know that there was some uh, wounds or some less than nurturing experiences in your childhood growing up. For other people, that's not so obvious. They had um, they had both parents. They went to a good school. They were provided for, and they uh, got what they needed. So, why is it that? they have some difficulties in their life in terms of relationships or in terms of how they feel about themselves. And I think it's because of these subtle things. It's kind of these small little things. Um, Let's talk about my childhood, hey? Let's get vulnerable. Um, I've talked a lot about it, but here we go. Um, In in, in the importance of of helping people connect to what I'm talking about, um, early upbringing, I think I had it great. I think I had a mum and dad that were really loving and in a loving relationship and and for what it was worth and and loved me and my brother and we were raised um, with good values and food on the table and uh, were given quite a lot and what we asked for we got um, 
was very blessed and very grateful and privileged to have that. Um, and then along the line, when I turned seven, um, divorce happened for our family. And again, probably until I was probably 24, uh, I would have always just said that that was, that was fine. Like even the divorce, I still was very functional. I still went to a good school and finished school. Yeah, I, I mucked around in drugs and, and partied and um, was in um, questionable relationships that I probably wasn't the, the most appropriate in. But at the time, I didn't really have a full uh, connection to to what I was doing or why I was doing some of these things. So I can kind of live my life, you know, going in and out of difficult relationships or having doubts about myself but I would still have always you know responded to what was my childhood like that yeah it was great nothing nothing necessarily went wrong the more I get aware you know and I say awareness is like a double-edged sword right once you got it it's kind of like ah shit now I know this now I gotta do stuff with it Um, or we keep ignoring it it's like a two-way mirror and we're banging on the the glass window and you know, the other version of us is sitting there going, we know, we know what to do. You know, you have this, this is awareness and they can't hear you. So, you know, you just keep doing the, the repeated shit. Um, but yeah, I, I guess as soon as I got some perspective and got some awareness, um, it's not to blame or shame or, or do anything um, towards my parents or towards my uh, childhood and my experiences because that's, People do the best they can with what they've got and you can't teach what you don't know. So it's not their fault. It's not their problem. It's the the realization then that, oh, okay, how does it play out? How does my life play out now? And over the years, I definitely have a really intense self-worth problem. I, I identify with someone that has codependency, which means I need to be needed. Where did that come from? Why do I need to be needed? What was it that I was lacking in need when I was growing up? And we joined the dots now. You know, we joined the dots. We had divorce. Mum became the breadwinner. She had to work her ass off to provide for us. Dad was in and out. And um, all I wanted to do was, was be seen and heard and, and loved. And when I couldn't get it in the exact way that I wanted to, and it's all very unconscious. I didn't know I was doing it, like I said. But um, then what I would do is is build build a friend network and be the guy that people wanted to talk to be the guy that people wanted help from and um that got into uh my friends were my family and i'd do everything and anything for them i'd want to be seen i'd be super loud and obnoxious and you know i'd be the i'd be the guy you know i'd be the the party one the one we can all go back to um you know the clubs and we'll you know the music guy whatever you know i i wanted to be seen i wanted to be needed and um i think i did it really well uh to my downfall you know the foreboding but at the end of the day now i can join a lot of these dots i join a lot of these dots as like okay um for what the experience was um there was there started to be a hole and i thought i needed to fill that hole with everything else but loving myself um again super unconscious so how I link these dots is, is now I'm a counselor, right? And the classic counselor, a lot of them have a story that is, I need to go and help others. And most counselors will connect to why it is that they're doing this type of work. And it'll be different for everyone, but we'll have a reason. And uh, that's sort of my reasons. Um, 
I started being really good at um, helping and, and fixing and um, to my detriment because once you fix everybody else and you keep being broken, they never shine a light on you until the lights bloody deer in the headlights. And, and that's what happened. And, um, you know, I talk a lot, a lot that in uh, my codependency blogs and podcasts and you can check that out for a little bit more depth to me. Um, but yeah, I thought I had the best childhood, but it's not that there was necessarily significant stuff that happened. I still was provided for. I still got whatever I wanted to. I didn't have many um, responsibilities. And, and I, again, I look at like, oh, there wasn't many boundaries in my life and had a lot of freedom. How does that play out now? You know, <laughs> I keep thinking I've got all this freedom and I don't need to have boundaries. So how does that mess up my relationship is, is there's no boundaries between me and the other person. So I do everything and anything. Um, obviously, I've tried to break the cycle and it's still part of me. So tiny little things that didn't mean as much as we, we'd, we'd thought or we experienced growing up have now manifested in, in tiny little ways and for some bigger than others. Some people might be listening to this be like, I know I got abused and now I'm terrified of commitment or I'm terrified of intimacy or I'm terrified of men or women or whatever. It's a bit more obvious, and I and I respect that, and I get that. For others, it's like, well, I just don't fit this bill. And the goal isn't to define problems in your childhood. The goal, I guess, well, it's your choice, but I guess the goal for me in explaining this is um, why we think a certain way, and why we act a certain way, and why you know I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, or I don't belong, or I need to do better whatever that sort of negative self-talk does show up, and if it doesn't, you're lying, um, has to have come from somewhere. And even in a good, uh, again, quoted, unquote, like healthy family system, something has had this ongoing effect. Now, people use that to their absolute benefit. And you know, the the discipline that was given to them when they were young and the and the tutoring that was you know, forced upon them to be really, really good at mass has a massive payoff. And now people are super successful and using some of that um, adverse maybe experience of of uh, discipline into their advantage. And that's how they thrive through their life. But again, it has to come down to how do I utilize what's happened? And is there stuff left inside of me that is, isn't the best, that does shake up the the Coke bottle? And that if the Every now and then I try to open that Coke bottle all at once and it fizzes all over the place. Other people have to slowly release each little part and then twist it back on. So they're releasing slowly over time and that means that they don't blow up. Um, that's kind of what the work is, right? When we look at trauma therapy, you look at counseling as a whole is we don't want to go from zero to 100 anymore because it ends in rage or panic attacks or depression or, you know, poor decision making or, you know, all of the drugs rather than some or, you know, too many drinks or whatever. We have these extremes. So starting to like twist that lid off and, tss, 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 you know, tss, get the uh, the gas out uh, slowly rather than opening it up and going, bam, you know. So good to reflect on like not in a negative way, not in a shaming or blaming way, but look at trauma as a way of um that there is there is a reason that i think feel and do and is any of that need working 
thing that need a bit of attention. And that might really, really help us without, you know, categorizing us as some super traumatized human being. But it's more about getting where, getting really in touch with the, maybe the not so merry-go-round that, that we were on for a certain pound of time before we jump back on the, you know, the good work and merry-go-round. So how does this all play out? What are the ins and outs of how it plays out today? I'll give you some more context is, um, it can, it can be, you know, a huge detriment, you know, trauma can, can really be a, a thing that prevents us from wanting to wake up in the morning and as it turns into some sort of depression or anxiety or OCD, um, or just different, different things that we don't quite like social anxiety, um, uh, anger problems, whatever. So we avoid and we uh, uh, withdraw and, and isolate. That that can that can be really present for a lot of people, and a lot of people fit that and and are, and are getting work. And a lot of people don't have access to that support or haven't hit that realization that you know I keep repeating the same patterns. So for me, the other the flip side of that is is just showing up in relationship and being a little bit more controlling, not really liking it when, when uh, you know, getting more jealous, for example, not really like it when people, or your partner goes out and doesn't let you know where they're going. Um, subtle little things to help control and protect you. Or the other version of, of that is looking really at um, uh, sometimes you get a little bit angry but then other times it's like this huge outburst and you you can't contain it and you end up yelling at someone's face. Another reason is, is you know, every Friday night you might go out for drinks and everyone stops drinking and then you get home and you start having a few drinks by yourself. And the reason isn't because you, you're having fun and you're recreationally doing things. It's because, you know, this would be a little bit easier if I keep numbing out and I keep, you know, hiding and numbing this pain. So we just need to check how it might be playing out. So for those um, people in relationships that question whether or not what why it is that we don't we don't leave those relationships, why is it that we keep staying? Um, what is that about? Well, people that aren't in relationships because they keep. Uh, um, having self-doubt as soon as they get close to commitment or, you know, they've been through so many and they keep having the same problems and, and they don't know what, what, what the go is, is we all kind of come into our friends or our family or even professionals and say, this is what's going on for me. Like people that come and present with me, they say, I've got depression. I want to fix my depression or I've got uh, an addiction. I want to fix my addiction. Well, you name it. I got relationship issues. I want to fix my relationship. Rah, rah, rah. Or I can't get in a relationship because my, you know, my my anxiety is too high level or my anger is too problematic. These are all the presenting things. There's like the surface level stuff. Still can be super impactful in your life and can go down a really nasty path and important to reduce these symptoms and 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 soothe some of that immediate stuff super important right 
getting safety, getting a bit more stable in whatever we're presenting with. Super, 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 super important. Not trying to disregard that at all. But if we fix that problem and send you back out, little bandaged up, pew, little package back into the world, you know, a little relationship rolls around and boom, you're straight back into a bit of rejection or argument that didn't go quite right and you're back in a little shame puddle or your depression flaring back up or, you know, whatever it might be starts to return. You come back to the same counselor and you go, hey, 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 you said you fixed me. <laughs> um, never say you can fix someone, FYI. But yeah, when they come back and they say, hey, my depression's back. Okay, maybe they changed counselors because they didn't fix the problem. For example, is that what's going on underneath? What? Why do we keep returning to that? Now, that's the key. I think our, our country, definitely in Australia, we're getting a lot better at understanding what's going on for that person today. We've got RUAK Day. We've got a lot more understanding about depression. I think trauma is the bloody buzzword at the moment, which is who ever thought? What an amazing realization. Um, but now we're going, oh, that guy might have experienced X, Y, Z, and this is why this is happening. doesn't excuse um, behavior. No, not at all. But we start to have a bit more empathy because we start to think, well, what else might be going on for that individual? Now that's where we kind of look at, well, what is going on for that individual and how it's playing out in their day-to-day is those presenting things. And they... They can't just fix those presenting things. If I got rage and I fix my rage by a few little strategies, I might punch less walls. You know, I might yell at less people. But if I don't connect to where did that wound originate? Why, why was I, when did I start noticing I was a little bit more angry or acting out more regularly or not being able to contain a rage? Why wasn't I allowed to or, or you know, why wasn't I ever soothed or nurtured in the way that i needed to we start looking and unpacking a bit more of that that's what's going to be the healing that's what's going to change the narrative that's what's going to break the cycle and repair what we keep repeating but naturally what we resist persists so the more we resist something um, and going a bit deeper or and going back into our childhood or and going back into that, you know, uh, traumatic experience that, that occurred uh, that created some of this stuff and just sort of focus on the surface. We're kind of polishing polishing the, the top and, and, and not looking at what else needs polishing, you know. If you ever wash your car, um, you know, you can do the outside of the rims and they look nice in the wheels, but then you look at all that grit in the inside. You don't get to that stuff, it's going gonna, it's gonna to spread. Um, it's going to come back. I don't know if that's a good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Hopefully, you know what I mean. But, um, yeah, we've got we to gotta, we gotta look at the whole rim of it. We've got to look at the whole of us and, and unpack not just the, the top layer, but a few of the other layers, like an onion. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. We resist that because we know it might be painful. We know it's a place that we we had wounds. We know it's a place that it's sort of we've got a really tight lid on it. You know, we've got a we've got a that wrapped up in a nice little box hidden away. So we don't want to touch that. Um, this is where we we invite you into that space in a healthy, safe way, right? Really safe way. 
that's that's where a lot of the healing is and that's where a lot of the presenting problems become a little bit more manageable so again back to me uh there's definitely a lot of anger on board for me and i, I can go into these big old rage attacks and it's uh explosive explosive uh, internally so i guess implosive but it also can be explosive to others if i don't have a awareness and an insight around it it can it has in the past gone gone into places i don't want it to get so i got to learn how to regulate myself regulate my nervous system and slow down before i react so i can actually have a chance to respond to certain events or triggers um but where did that start you know for me it was it spills out sideways when when I get too overwhelmed when I was young and, and didn't know where to go with that. Um, and I think, again, it's based on this self-worth, um, not being good enough and not being so powerless and out of control in, in some of my feelings. This would be so overbearing and, and overwhelming that uh, like a panic attack of like intense sort of, you know, uh, intense anxiety mine would kind of come out in these rage attacks and um I'd just be doing anything to get that emotion and feeling out of me um that's all i didn't know what to do with that because i didn't know who i was up against didn't have the light on for it and i think that light was uh rejection abandonment and what what to do when you feel out of control how to soothe properly how to reparent myself today and go you're gonna be all right you know, you just need to you know, breathe. You need to get some of this out in a different way. And you're enough and, and you matter and you're really lovable. But right now you're just in a bit of a, a bit of a space and that needs its outlets and it needs its space and nurture and connection um, and you'll be okay. But I needed to really know and I still work on myself in, in lots of domains to, to get an idea of, you know, what was the original, what was the OG message that that sort of started to spill out in and what I didn't have um, agency over at the time because I might have just been a little boy. So it plays out in lots of different ways and reflection is a beautiful, beautiful thing to do in in our behavior and, and, and feedback and being able to hear and listen to feedback because it helps shape what we need to do for ourselves. And it, again, it's an invitation when people set boundaries. It's an invitation to show up to that relationship in the way that they want you to show up with them. And when they, when you don't do that or you violate that, then people are going to walk away. So learning how to do that for yourself and for others and these boundaries is really important. Last episode talked a lot about boundaries and we'll have another episode talking a bit, a bit more about it. But yeah, that's a bit of trauma, you know, the not so merry-go-round as a, coin this little episode hey i'm really curious about the more we start to understand as a society of how we go about our problems and um these norms of reality that we live in and have that that lens it's a little bit more understanding a little more compassionate in that it's it takes a lot for someone to to learn what they they've experienced in a way that is for self-accountability and and self-leadership so 
we've got to be really kind to ourselves and kind to others that kind of are in that space where they're they're learning a lot and they're doing a lot for themselves and we can't fix everyone if you're doing the work good for you but when you when you jump back out and expect uh everybody else to be functional because you're starting to be functional that's a that's a slippery slope when we when we're let down by the fact that we might be losing losing the people we thought we cared about and thought they cared about me but change people don't like change so if you're starting to change you're starting to have boundaries you're starting to have a really good authentic aspect of yourself that you're you're flaunting and you're you're showing up with and you your self-esteem's in a really good place some people are not going to like that at all um and i say it a lot and if you know when you are faced with that if it's not a fuck yes it's a fuck no um we're trying to stay in authenticity and not lose that once we regain it back or we've had it for a while is we don't want to compromise that we don't want to lose that so i've got a few things coming out pretty soon i'm going to do a few more episodes and it probably won't be as frequent as it has been but i'm gonna gonna keep pushing it i'm gonna keep pushing it out um but i do have a an ebook on the way called find you and it's a really good step before counseling if you want to just kind of do some of the work by yourself so you can i guess register your interest on my website and just sign up to the connection crew and um, i post a little bit on there and um, there's be some free pdfs there coming out pretty soon so sign up and i will kind of let you know when when it's coming out but it's coming and it's going to be really cool so again Please like this podcast if you if you haven't already and I think you can rate it now in some places. And comment. What do you want to hear? What do you want to know? Relationship, self-worth, addiction. Who do you want to have on the podcast? And um, yeah, reach out to me. I want to hear who's listening. I know you're there. So I hope you enjoy this. I guess we should do the bloody reason with me love letters, hey? Um. This week's song is called All For You by Kyan DeCrot, I think his name is. And it is so emotional. I've loved listening to this on repeat at the moment. And it's just really, really powerful. Um, lots of relationship and and in the hope that they, they have a good next relationship, but it's not going to be them and what they should have done and could have done. And woo, damn, I connect to that in many, many ways. So... Listen, check out the rest of the playlist and just just vibe and see what comes up to you. It's a really cathartic thing. Music is the key to so much healing. See you next time. And I should have caught, and I should have tried, and I should have walked you home every night. And I should have kissed you 10,000 times just to tell you I love you.